welcome to Forever Canon, the podcast where we get together and talk about Star Wars books that don't exist anymore. They've been erased from canon by Disney and told to us that they do not matter. But we disagree. They're real things. My name is Justin. I'm Tim. And I'm Kevin. And we are here to talk about Legacy of the Force, Betrayal, chapters one to four. And the book opens up right away on Coruscant. We got Luke Skywalker talking about having a bad dream. And he says, the first line that he says, is that the first line of the book? Yeah, very first, very first three words. Hit me, Tim. He doesn't exist. He doesn't exist. And of course, now you've begged the question right away. Who? Who is he talking about? Kevin, who is he talking about? We don't know yet. That we, hasn't been released. We don't. Any, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hasn't been released yet. Yeah. He describes a figure, a dark figure, red gold, not red, yellow gold eyes, a feeling of hate, feelings of arrogance. It's human or near human. There's even the possibility that it's my father, he says. Yes. He says it feels a lot like Anakin Skywalker. And he says it, it, this is a dream he's been having a lot. He's been having recurring nightmares about this figure, the shadowy figure who reminds him of Anakin Skywalker. Um, he's in bed with his wife, Mara Jade Skywalker, and she name drops Raynar Thull, who they, they then explain is... They go into the Vong War and the, pretty much the the proceedings that happened right before these books. The, the yeah. events preceding the, this, this book series. Yeah, the series before this series. The two series. Actually, yeah, the one right before is the Killick Crisis. So mm-hmm. they talk about the Vong War. They talk about the Killick Crisis. And um, it's kind of it's a it's a little look into the relationship between Luke and Mara. You, they're in bed together. He has a bad dream. And then between the two of them, they kind of make a decision of what to do going forward. They talk about pretty much how they're going to have no problem dealing with this enemy whenever it comes up. Mara doesn't seem to be phased at all. She just kind of, she says, let's wait until he shows up, then crush him. Yeah, exactly. Just very right to the point. We'll take care of anything that comes. Mara J. Skywalk. Mara J. Mara Mara J. Skywalker. Thanks, Kevin. Got your back. You went over... Yeah. She is a retired spy for the Empire, for the uh, not just a spy, the himself. Emperor's hand. The Emperor's hand. Why don't you tell me what that means, Kevin? Um, not spe- sure on all the specifics, but basically that if, might be the first time um, I've ever heard you say that. Yeah, continue. Uh, force-powered um, assassins, spies, stuff like that. Kind of very similar in uh, to how the uh, Rebels show is portraying the Inquisitors. See, I don't watch Rebels. Is it good? So I I kind of fell out because it was uh, hard to, for me to get access to the episodes. Cause yeah. like, um, Disney XD or not. I had like um, yeah. like the Android box and I was watching them on that. But then all of a sudden you'd be like, okay, this is the episode I'm on. Like episode, say, six. And you go start watching that and it's it's actually episode five that's on there twice now. And then you go to watch seven <laughs> so and now it's mass, eight. Right? So it was all over the map. So I couldn't... It was hard to get into because of that. Well... It was like Fox was running it. <laughs> well, Mara Jade, former Emperor's Hand, now wife of the Grand Master of the Jedi Order, Luke Skywalker. Mm. And they go back to sleep or something. I don't know. Because we cut to yeah. 
No, uh, Luke goes to sleep. She kind of stays awake, focusing on it to try to see if she can sense anything. And then no sign of it, so she goes back to sleep, too. That's right. That's right. Then we cut to the planet Admar, where I will read this note from my note page. My very first note of this says, Jason and Ben, fuck yeah. I'm not falling (laughs) into that trap again. (laughs) What do you mean, again? Well... Little inside baseball for the <laughs> listeners. We have recorded this episode before. So if it seems a little weird, that's because it is. Because we recorded it and then I lost everything on my computer. But here we are, not to be deterred. Disney will not hold us down. The tyranny must end. The cannon will be restored. On Planet Admar, the elevator doors open. Sorry, the turbo lift doors open. We got to remember to use the proper sci-fi technology terminology. The elevator door... I did it again. The turbo (laughs) lift doors slide open. And standing in front of them... Good remembering. Behind them is Jason Solo and Ben Skywalker. And their guide. And their guide. That's... Maybe was overlooked before. But yeah, the doors open. And it, it just reminds me of the prequels. Or any... I think every one of the movies has a moment where the characters are standing behind a door and then the doors open to reveal the characters, whether it's Darth Vader's Thanksgiving dinner or it's, it's, uh, Obi-Wan and, uh, and Qui-Gon doing their, uh, even Darth Maul had a moment like that. Yeah. It's, it's pretty iconic for Star Wars. So the doors open and there are Jason and Ben with their guide. They are touring a missile factory. The Damant Killers Company. The Damant Killers Company Missile Factory. They are such a reputable, uh, reputable company. Like that. Like how do you not? How does that name not yeah, just yeah. imply I, shady it, it stuff is, it going is down? Lazy naming. You put <laughs> but that that's also har- another iconic Star it, Wars. It, it is. It is. Yeah. That Some is. of the names are super creative, and then they're just like, eh, Damant Killers. Here we go. <laughs> so they're in this missile factory because. They're sent there to investigate reports of overproduction and missing, yeah, uh, missing inventory type yeah, of deal. Missing inventory, and it shows that when he when they open the elevators too, right after it's, it shows how much war and stuff that Jason's been through. Is that where they? Talk yeah, because yeah, right um, like it's the odors of the factory weren't the smells of corrupted flesh and gangrenous wounds like he was used to it was like oil and machinery and sweat and (laughs) the smells come up over again throughout these chapters as a way to kind of give you a reflection of that character it's kind of a neat little narrative trick where oh these smells remind me of the time that here's information about my backstory you know yeah it's a really good good way to bring um your imagination into the book a little bit more because a lot of people can kind of go oh i remember that time i went on like a tour of a factory and the kind of like the the oily type smell and stuff so it's really good way to calling up other pull in a visual yeah Yeah, it it really does it really does he's playing games with the guide he's pretending he can't understand him and he's having ben act as an intermediary between the between the two of them as just like a total power move like he's just trying to manipulate the relationship here but really to gather information like this is his job this is what he's yeah kind of like put him off balance exactly because he's 
he's using Ben as a translator, even though he understands perfectly. Yeah, he's yeah, just playing games. I think a part of it they said was um, the Jedi have uh, kind of like this reputation for being just like aloof and stuff like that. And so he's really playing into that. Yeah, and playing he's trying to the... be the mysterious Jedi. Yeah, and even Again, at one point in, in they... an effort um, to, to put him off balance. Yeah, at one point they even kind of like... Um, they open their robe in a specific way so that the lightsaber shows yeah. to just kind of really reinforce that Which is just like the old thing. western badass. Like yeah. you Flip see, back the trench coat. You can coat. see my gun in my holster yeah, behind yeah. my yeah. trench coat. And that's, yeah. you know, it's again, a power move. It's a reminder that I'm over you. I'm standing above you in a, in a societal sense. And then a few sentences later, we get an actual representation of that. Jason standing high up above the the factory floor watching all the workers yeah again you get this image of the jedi standing above everybody else (laughs) cut the silence out because i can't remember what my next thing was oh yeah this uh, and so this is where ben is talking to the guide he's trying to get information up from him but he's being a total teenager and he's just asking him the dumbest questions like yeah. do you wax your beard i think that one's more of a not so much he's really curious i yeah. think he's more just it's a tactic to it, tie this guy up so he's not paying as much attention to Jasen, who's being observant and trying right. to get a read of the room it's him playing the game and too he's yeah. trying to throw this guy off balance as well yeah. because he just looks at uh ben as just some little kid yeah not a Jedi master or a Jedi knight. He's just a a kid yeah. who's we don't like, even more know like a squire. If they know that he is a Jedi in training or whatever, but they he gets that later. Either way, we get a description of Ben here. Ben was thirteen standard years of age. Okay, ho- first of all, holy shit, he's only thirteen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have lost sight of that over the years. I, for some reason, I thought he was like sixteen or seventeen. And, and where, where were you but guys when you were thirteen years old? Were you touring weapons factories with a sword on your hip? No, I would have been in so much trouble. <laughs> yeah, no, I was playing Final Fantasy VIII like a good boy. <laughs> He's thirteen. He's thirteen standard years of age. Not tall, but well muscled, with a fine featured, freckled face. Under a mass of flame red hair, which he gets from his mother. Probably gets yeah. it from his dad, too. Because, I mean, Luke Skywalker in the movies has, like, that dusty... Dusty blonde. Uh, yeah, yeah, dusty blonde. Almost like almost like a, uh, a redhead. Well, he's also been... Very fair-skinned. Uh, yeah, they've said that several times. I think in this book already, how he's fair-skinned. Mm-hmm. So, while Ben is standing there distracting the guard... Jason uses the force to just straight up read the guide's mind <laughs> like that. They're just, yeah. they just drop that in there. Like it's no big deal. It's that he's just passively. Huh, I'm just gonna, yeah, he just decides I'm going to just casually read this guy's mind. And he feels worry coming off the guard, which is, uh, I don't know, pretty damning evidence to a Jedi when you can read his mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Ben can feel it too. In the force, Jason starts looking around. He finds a hidden door by reading the guy's memory with the force. Not so. Not only can I read your thoughts or your emotions, I can read your memories. Yeah, because yeah. at, at first he's more um, as he's scanning around the room, 
he's more feeling the guy's emotions and as, as in he, reaction yeah the closer his gaze gets to where the secret door is the higher this guy's anxiety becomes exactly and once he goes okay it's that area mm -hmm. then he probes deeper into the guy's mind and can like visually see visually this guy's see memory that there is a fake wall panel that is a door and so he walks over to the wall his spidey senses tingle and he feels this is where it is and this is where we get our first lightsaber yep. of the book series. Ben's blue lightsaber cuts open the secret door. And just like episode one where they cut through into the into the blast doors. That's right. Again, iconic images to, to kick off the book series. Yeah. Cuts a circle out or a, like a semi-human shaped type deal. Yeah. And they walk through. Yeah, and I love how when he pulls out the lightsaber and turns it on, uh, the guard or the guide says, uh, "He told us it was a practice weapon." Jacen gives him an innocent look and it says, "It's true from a certain point of view." Yeah, I love how Star Wars yeah. just kind of keeps bringing from, that back. From a certain point of view. Yeah. Again, right? From, it's a, it's kind of still a dick thinking. thing to say. Yeah. yeah. It, but it is. It's it's. I lied to you, but tough shit like that's yeah. pretty much the answer yeah too bad uh because again it's the i'm better yeah exactly let's move on which is is that a reflection of how the jedi feel about themselves versus how jason the normies like the regular people of of society yeah because the the jedi in this book series are they kind of stand up above the regular populace they kind of stand side by side with the government at this point where they are Sort of a branch of the government, sort of, with their own... Uh, they oversee themselves. Luke Skywalker decides what they do and don't do for the most part. But they are beholden to the Galactic Alliance pretty like, pretty solidly. Yeah. They are... Here they are on this, on this government mission as representatives from the Jedi. So you see those two worlds mixing right away, which is another interesting thing. So... Jason starts making his way down this hallway and he's he's batting blaster bolts away from the security officers. And it's just again, casual, 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 casual power. Yeah, so he doesn't strong. even seem to be breaking a sweat at I'm all. So strong. But he does have a little thought here. Old Jason versus new Jason. Once upon a time, Jason would have felt tragedy surround him when his actions resulted in the deaths of common soldiers, common guards. But over time he'd lost that sense. Again. Here's another little peek into his backstory. He used to be a sweetheart, and now he's a cold heart. Yeah, he's becoming desensitized to violence which is pretty fast. Uh, probably a reflection of being uh, a Jedi Knight who is so closely tied with the government. and it's, I don't know what I'm trying to say. Forget that fucking part. Oh, this is hard, you guys. It's I think so I know what you're saying because, like, they're kind of, um, they're kind of basically completely separate from the government. The government cannot interfere with Jedi business at all. Mm -hmm. But the Jedi have pledged their support to the Galactic Alliance, right? And will help them out, and they are allied strongly with them. They almost kind of act like another branch of like. A police force. Exactly, yeah. Um, so. and, and we'll see that too, the how how this being beholden to the Galactic Alliance becomes a problem for parties moving forward. It's kind of the basis for the whole conflict here. Um, 
it's the reason why they're here to investigate this missile factory is that this planet is supposed to supply weapons to the Galactic Alliance, and they're not meeting their quota, so well, I think what's they, up? I think they are meeting their quota. Um, I don't know if it actually specifically says, but I think they're supposed to supply... They're only supposed to manufacture weapons for the Galactic Alliance. Right, they're going and over themselves, their mandate. But they're going over and above that. So that's what they're Yeah, kind of like privateer black market selling of arms. Like, exactly. Yeah. So you get another commentary on some smell. After four troops are dead in seconds, from Mr. Badass Jason, we talk about smell again. Burned flesh this time. Apparently Somebody's very to. familiar to Jason, yes. Something that he has grown used to over the years. It's uh, it's a hard life for the Jedi Knights. Yeah. Unless you're Luke Skywalker and you get indoctrinated at 18. When you got your whole childhood. You Fine, you escape with your childhood. These Jedi Knights in these books don't. They're trained warriors, pretty much uh, this family well, especially, from the time that they're yeah. yeah, the younger ones now are, but a lot of the masters of the Order at this point in That's time. That's true. They were all kind of similar they to were all They adults. didn't get introduced to the Force until yeah. they were adults. That's true. That is that is a good distinction to make because you're going to see that in the Jedi Order where you're going to see different ways of thinking butting heads against each other as we move forward. I, that was That's an interesting point. Yeah, because like if, eventually it's like it's at the point where during like um, the prequel trilogy, all the Jedi Masters were born and raised in the Jedi Order, but here they all have background careers that are so much more in depth. Mm -hmm. So someone like Mara will have more of a spy's way of looking at a problem than pretty much just all the regular Jedi just have a regular Jedi way of looking yeah, at it. Yeah, and, and we, you got the people like Luke who had, had a childhood, lived a normal life, so they know how the normal people live. Yeah. Rather than the new Jedi coming in, like Jason or Ben or whoever. Or born into They're being born. better than everybody. Yeah. In a case system sort of thing. Yeah. So, he backs off the guards within moments. He's also having a moment where he's deflecting blaster bolts away, Jason is. And he's trying not to deflect them into innocent people. Yeah. He has this reflection where he doesn't want to kill by accident, even if he has grown cold to the idea of, Killing being inevitable. Well, killing yeah. in self-defense and is one thing in his opinion. Yeah. Uh, but bla uh, deflecting a blaster bolt into someone who's not even in the fight is they're just an innocent bystander. That's something he does still want to avoid. Yeah, he's a little bit of light in the dark. A thought that he had there, and then we get a uh, a nice little view of Ben using a hollow cam, holding it up to his eye to record the goings-ons inside the factory, which. Even though this book came out long after giant camcorders of the 90s, that's yeah. kind of what I picture. Not giant, a, a handheld, definitely a handheld camera. Yeah. That he's holding up to his eye. He flicks the little side thing open, and you can see what he's recording on. Yeah, that's exactly what yeah. it sounds Just like. Just funny ways, like, even science fiction yeah, technology. It, it, it says itself. it's the sort carried by wealthy vacationers and holocom hobbyists. All over the galaxy. Yeah, all over the galaxy. It's tourists taking home videos. That's yeah. pretty much what he's doing in this factory. Yeah, yeah. You'd, you'd almost expect the Jedi to have their own special little, like the size of a marble little remote that can just go off and record its own or thing. A tiny and come headset back. or something, something with something just a little super high tech. Something special. Yeah. Yeah. But <clears throat> no, they're nope. just, just. They went to. They sent them out with, a, space with an RCA camcorder. <laughs> yeah, it's from Space Radio Shack for sure. 
the, so he's recording video of all these extra missiles that are being produced. The Galactic Alliance wants tight control over the weapons that all the planets are producing. They want them to contribute to the military of the greater galaxy, the Galactic Alliance, not just to their own planetary defenses. And certainly not to outside people. Yeah, they're trying to, it seems like they're trying to keep a tight leash on armaments to prevent another major future well, yeah, war. Yeah, like trying to unite everybody, but using like laws and regulations. Yeah. And so the question is, how much can the Republic demand from its people before the people start to revolt? Like it's question as old as time. Ask the Romans. Actually, yeah. past the this isn't even just the Republic anymore. The Galactic Alliance no, is even I know. bigger. I mean Republic in oh, terms okay. of like the the Romans. So they take the recording. Jason and Ben are talking about tactics of what to do, where to go, what the next move is, and Ben quotes Han Solo, who Who's may this? you may notice is Jason's father, Ben's uncle, and he says. You never want to fight the enemy on ground he's chosen if you can avoid it. Jason grinned. Ben's words, so adult, were a quote from Han Solo. A man whose wisdom was often questionable. Yeah. And about, and about Except this on matters of personal uh, personal survival. <laughs> right. Yeah. Also, correct. <laughs> and, and about this part, too, even though that they're in combat, and Jason's still being the teacher, he's yeah. asking, hey, Ben, what do we do now? Yeah, you do get to yeah. see Jason as the teacher. It, he... Because he is. He is Ben's... Ben is his Padawan. No, yeah. he's yep. not. Is he? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, can... can a, Ben is his Padawan. Can a Jedi Knight have a Padawan, or is it just... Yep. Yep. I thought it was only Masters and... I nope. thought it wasn't official yet. That nope. they... Master. No, no. <laughs> Let me see. When you're a Jedi Knight... I thought you... he was... I thought he was Luke's Padawan right now. It's nope. not a... It, there's nope. nothing official yet. As soon as... Like, when you're a Knight, you can take a Padawan. Hmm. When that Padawan passes the trials and becomes a Knight... You become a master because you have mastered training. Well, there you oh, go. Okay. Well, there you so go. It's folks. like your it's like your last step of ascension. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, you're not a master until you have passed on what you have learned. Hmm. Then you are. That the makes master. sense. Oh snap! Once once the student yeah. becomes the teacher, you are the master. Yeah. Okay, that's interesting. Um. So we'll call it that. A little side knowledge. We'll call it Ben is Jason's Padawan. Who's Padawan? Jason. Jason. Not, no. And he, he gives him room to make decisions and make mistakes. It's it's interesting to see him because uh, he, he, so far in this chapter, he's kind of he's kind of being portrayed as like cold and callous and closed off. Yeah. Which is just him playing games with the guard. And then when you see him talking to his little cousin, he's he opens right up and he's brightness. Yeah. And the whole time they're having this conversation on how to get out of the factory... He's still deflecting blaster bolts. Yeah. And protecting both of them. Yeah. yeah. He, again, the casual, just power of Jason Solo, which arguably isn't that casual outside of just picking this book up on its own. If you read the previous 17 books of him building his power, <laughs> yeah, it's not so shocking. But the way it's presented in this book is just so blasé. He's just like, I read your mind. I read your memories. I deflect blaster bolts. Everything's cool. Yeah, don't even worry about it. Chapter two. First note: elevator shaft shenanigans. Elevator shaft. Sorry, turbo lift shaft. Turbo lift shaft shenanigans. (laughs) Is it a shaft? I don't know. Yeah, I would say it's a shaft. Space shaft. Yes. So, what kind of podcast is this? Yeah, space (laughs) podcast. (laughs) 
<laughs> Welcome to where we Space talk, Podcast. Where we talk about space shafts. Where we talk about books about planet Earth and how boring it is there. So, chapter two, elevator, <laughs> turbo lift shaft shenanigans. The two of them are escaping through the turbo lift shaft. They jump out of the top of one. They climb. They ride one up to the top. They climb up Episode there. one. <laughs> Again, exactly. Let's have some familiar visuals to tie you to the book. And then you get to go. <laughs> they cut their way out of the shaft and they're up at the top of a skyscraper. What they decide to do up here is foot surf all the way down. They are ho- however many hundreds of floors up in the air. And they look down on a pretty semi-busy cityscape. It, it actually says how um, Jason estimated... Hit me with some deets. Yeah, Jason estimated that they were they had risen since they got in the Elevate, turbo lift shaft. Turbo lift. They had risen Correct. 300 meters. Well, there you go. So, which is Third for, for people that aren't... That aren't that aren't Canadian and don't use meters and use the imperial system. Yeah. It's about nine hundred feet. Yeah. So well, considering the uh, rebels beat the empire, I think we should just stick to a metric and not imperial. That's right. <laughs> Take that empire. I like that. Your space force is no good here. All right. Sorry for. So, we're all metric. So they foot surf down the skyscraper. Because the skyscraper is a bit of a slope. Yes, it is. It's not yes, like it's just angled. straight down. It's angled a bit. Until suddenly a ship appears and begins shooting the shoot out of it's, them. Uh, it's not just shooting like lasers. It's shooting, I think, missiles. missiles. It does shoot a missile. Yeah. And that really pisses Jason off. Ship yeah. fires a missile out Because there's civilians <clears throat> all over the place. They dodge it. It hits the building. Massive explosion. And Jason is very mad about the innocents that are caught in the explosion. You guys are totally right. Yep. He looks down below him and he sees cables crisscrossing the buildings, which I thought was just ridiculous. Yeah. Well, like that is, I don't know. I they, guess I guess we still have that now, but even still, there's less wires, physical wires than ever. Yeah. Well, and they're, especially for communications. Yeah, because it's essentially how they describe it is it's telephone cables. Yeah. The first four, direct connect. The first four or five levels above ground. It's like telephone Well, because in Star Wars, they don't have Bluetooth. But they need secure connections, you know? You can't be having people eavesdropping on your Wi-Fi combos. So we're going <laughs> to wire house to house. Yeah. Crisscrossing an open span of air. With We're in a society where you have flying cars. Yeah. <laughs> like a missile just got shot out of yeah. a spaceship. And then the idea. next sentence yeah. is telephone wires. <laughs> Weird juxtaposition, but nonetheless. Maybe it's like an it's an attempt to... To ground the story, take it a little bit out of the fantastic and give it a little more of like a, a an earthly type, yeah, like a familiar feel. Type well, I think kind of it's deal. kind of like the thing with uh, like on the Millennium Falcon when they're in the gun turrets, they have a headset on to to talk to the people in the rest of the ship, yeah. and it's it's literally there's a cable going like to plug it in. It's not it's, it's just not the, wireless. It's just maybe it is like the limitations of the rebel technology where they're scrounging, scrapping everything. Or maybe it's just a failure to, of foresight when you're writing science fiction. Yeah, you know, and and because of how long ago these books were written, right? Like some of this stuff, Bluetooth and all that. It's true. Not necessarily it's around. True. Yeah, it's so. certainly not common. Ben and Jason get to the end of the angle of the building and they jump down. They jump, of course, right on top of the spaceship that they're trying to jump onto because they're Jedi's and they never fail. In yeah. case you haven't noticed so far, they're setting them up to be super badasses. They, they land on the spaceship. Ben, and here comes the lightsaber again, jams it right into the cockpit, and the pilot ejects. The pilot, unfortunately, gets 
yeah. cut to pieces by the telephone wires. And so you get this kind of trope of the the young apprentice kills somebody accidentally. Yeah. He, uh, he, well, he caused a situation which kind of made the pilot kill herself. So it's right. kind of a Kevorkian. Right. But, but, the, but the point of it is that he caused a death indirectly. Yeah. And... And he's okay with it. And with and with like a training, oh. it's just like it, something to weigh on the conscience of a young man before you really cross the line into hurting people on purpose. Yeah, you hurt somebody accidentally. It's and the that gateway. Is, exactly, gateway drug. Yep, death, the gateway drug. Ben also ends up ruining somebody's balcony lunch on the way to the ground level as he jumps off the spaceship, jumps on somebody's plate, jumps on. Something else jumps on another thing. He's just jumpy boy and takes some of their food. Too. Yeah, have a little snack again. Yeah. Classic well cooked of... leg of some avian in one hand. He grabs it. He grabs a chicken leg. Yeah, yeah classic basically. trope of the ever hungry teenager. Yeah, and Can't possibly fill him up. One one thing that we missed um, that we missed talking about is Ben uses some slang that he he says he, he right. says the, the lubed and lubed yeah and jason jason oh. tells him don't say lubed like you don't like, say lubed. like if you have a, like a 10 year old 11 year old cousin or whatever that yeah. starts using slang and you look bae. at them oh, don't be stupid that's, that's yeah. lit that's so lit exactly literally just look at your little cousin and you go no no you don't say that in my no. presence you don't talk like a use kid. use a word please so that, that I thought that was interesting. Oh, I, I one other thing I really liked was how they described when they were landing, how they were using the force to push air up under their feet and cushion their landing. Yeah, like I just thought that was a cool. You don't get in the movies like the visceral description of what's happening with the force when just a black glove sticks out and somebody's choking to death all of a sudden. You don't get the description of. Yeah. What why is, is he choking right? the descriptions yeah. of force powers in books is just fantastic it is it takes it to another level which is why i love reading these books so much like the movies give you one flavor and the books give you give you like more sprinkles on top of that flavor. exactly like, everything that would make up that specific flavor they give you everything in a book because they have more to do deal with uh, here's here's the note teenagers never stop eating har 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 <laughs> great nailed it jason the patient but strict teacher to ben again asking him what do we do now we got away we got the information what should we do and they decide to send the information off yep send the information off and report back mission complete at which and at this and right here too because jason tells him all right you do it and Ben gets all jacked up yeah, because he's doing it's something, something he, he's never done. Before. He hasn't done it. He's like, "Oh, all right, sweet." And as for if Jason were to do it, he'd be like, dun, 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 "All right, let's go." Yeah. Which is again like a sign of a good teacher. Yeah, he finds the spot to press his limits, something he hasn't done before. But, but the the juxtaposition of you just had a missile shot at you, and now you're excited to send a secret message because you've never really done that yourself before. It's kind of weird. Yeah. It kind of belies the excitement of it where you just foot surfed down a skyscraper, dodged a missile, landed on a spaceship, 
and had a chicken like yeah the the, da- the but danger you've never is sent an email yeah yeah <laughs> it's new yeah. Yeah. Yeah, everything's the, wired here <laughs> yeah the, the danger is boring but the but the simple task Which of sending a message true. that's like the banality of war yeah where all of that horrible stuff is normal and ben's been training for it and, and the, preparing the little for that. things are where you find your excitement um so let's have a quick recap of the mission to the missile solo Silo? silo or yeah, i think it, let's have a, i'm gonna leave that one in there i think let's you mean have factory a quick recap of the missile factory jason uh, and yeah. ben show up they trick the guide they read his mind they fight off a bunch of guards they save some innocent people until they get blown up by a missile after they escape the elevator they slide down a skyscraper jump on a spaceship eject a pilot into some chippy choppy cutty uppy ropes and then have a chicken leg yeah. Send and, your little message and off I, and get in Jason's and shuttle. And go for a which, walk. His shuttle is an old Lambda class model, which is awesome because this ship's probably like 40 years old. Probably. And it says it's an armored variant. So he's just running around in like a, a 1970 military. charger. <laughs> <laughs> with, with That's his ship. More, with bulletproof glass on it. Yeah. More like more like a like a Humvee from the wars in the yeah. 70s. Yeah. No, but like there's so many other ships that have got to be way better, and he's rolling in an old Lambda. That's awesome. That is. Awesome. I, I think. I, love that. I think that's amazing. It's. He's a fan of the classics. It's, yeah, it's. It's good. his. Maybe he loved his grandfather's shuttle. The idea of you know, he, the idea of his grandfather, being such a powerful Jedi, has. Always kind of been a big deal to Jason. Yeah, even for me, it would be. Even for me, they're they're one of my favorite ships. It's a big deal for me too, Kevin. Oh, what? (laughs) Even like like for me, it's one of my favorite ships in the whole. Yeah. Like, like personal ship level. Like it's not as imposing as like a star destroyer, but like if Star Wars real and you could have any one ship that you could fly around, a Lambda shuttle is pretty. It's 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 definitely top five. You can put the kids in the back and have a little space flight. Yeah, it would definitely be the top five. Oh yeah. Although I mean, the number one is an X-wing. Obviously, be smart. Don't say something stupid. All right. Well, go around the table. What ship would you pick, Tim? I I I fly Tie Interceptor. Actually, okay, that's dumb. Kevin, um, uh, Fire Spray. Also dumb. What's wrong with the Fire Spray? You didn't pick X Wings. Chapter three. You picked X Wing. <laughs> Chapter three. <laughs> Back on Coruscant. Yes. Here we get Leia and Han in their new apartment. We get a description. Of both of them. Now a Jedi Knight, Leia Organa Solo, stood dressed in all-white robes, suitable to either a Jedi or a politician in informal surroundings. So she dressed like high class. She's a classy lady. She's a classy princess all her life. Yeah. What a princess. And where is the description of Han? Oh, here he is. Han Solo, one of the most famous men in the galaxy, moved up beside her. He was wearing his favorite clothes. Dark military trousers decorated with the red Karelian blood stripes he had earned when he was a younger man. Light, long sleeve shirt, black vest, practical black boots. So he looks exactly like he's always looked anytime you've seen him in a movie. And that's and, how he's And dressed. how he how Lando looks at the end of Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> well, isn't that his jacket that he's wearing in the he, he's the whole dressed, time? he's wearing Han's clothes at the end yeah, of Empire exactly. Strikes Back. That's, yeah. What, yeah. that's what I thought, yeah. <laughs> I thought that's what you're referring to. So weird. Yeah. Why? I I hope he's rocking it just to 
piss off Han. You know what? That would actually make a lot of sense, wouldn't it? Yeah. Just, but, to, just to get him. But after seeing Solo, why is he not wearing, like, an awesome cape and, like, a scarf, too? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. That would be amazing. But no Lando yet, just Leia and Han. Leia, a Jedi Knight. Former Chief of State, a.k.a. President of the Galaxy. She's not anymore. Now she's just kicking it as she a was, Jedi. She was the president and had command over Space Force. Yeah. She had better hair. Yeah. Um, well, the bar's might. not high on that one. <laughs> yeah. Han Solo, most famous man in the galaxy. Three hearts in my notes. Okay, moving on. They banter. He gets back four from me. <laughs> wow, X-Wings. <laughs> the two of them banter back and forth until the perpetually clueless C-3PO locks in. They're now, bantering. The, the bantering isn't just, it's them basically per, taught, planning out how to defend the room they're in from people assaulting the, like the door. Yeah. Their new apartment. They're, yeah. they're having a jokey conversation about how. No, no, no. We don't know it's a joke at this right. point. All of a sudden, and then C-3PO just kind of, like, they're playing this defense of their this this room, and then all of a sudden C-3PO just goes, oh, I thought this was just a dinner party. Yeah. And, it, yeah, it turns out they're just having a family dinner. And that, that's the point where the scene turns and the door starts opening, right? And Luke, Mara, R2, Jason, and Ben show up. So you get, here's... Here's the fam. Here's the, here's the whole cast of characters coming together to start the book off. The Solos are having a little housewarming party at their new apartment on Coruscant. Armored doors, don't you know? Which And which is such a big deal because basically as long as anyone's ever seen them, they've lived in the Falcon. Yeah, they've pretty <laughs> much been nomads, all their, especially yeah. Han Solo. Yeah. And, and and Leia too as being like a a politician dignitary yeah, always an, traveling ambassador type like ambassador deal. Is the, right, the best word. I wouldn't be surprised if there's like think, a door somewhere that's in their apartment that looks like it might be like a linen closet, right. but it's actually a turbo lift that goes <laughs> turbo lift Justin that goes straight to like a secret camouflaged hangar where the yeah. Falcon is. Yeah. Just weapons just, all down the wall of the yeah. turbo lift. Yeah. yeah, just so uh, Han can just make a quick exit if, like, the in-laws show up or something. In case something. anything gets weird in there. Yeah. yeah. Um, Ben's, well, speaking of smuggling gear, Ben starts rifling through some stuff. Uncle Han is a smuggler. I bet this place is stuffed with secret chambers. They'll all have blasters in them. Some of them will have identicards and fake names. And cred cards and secret electronics gear. And maybe a disassembled scout speeder. Some of them will be hidey holes for the Nogri. The Nogri? Who are the Nogri, Kevin? The Nogri are Han and Leia's bodyguards. I don't remember what their names are. Meewall and not... Cockmane. Pretty sure I nailed that, actually. <laughs> I don't think they get named anytime soon, but I'm... They do... You let us know. You guys soon. email us if I'm wrong. We'll, we'll never know. But I'm pretty sure that's their names. They are Meewall and Cockmane. Cock meme? Yeah. Cock meme, like C-A-H-K-M-A-I-M or something like that. Meewall is like M-E-E-W-A-L-H. They got weirdos. Yeah. Weirdy names. All right, we get a mention of Jaina and Zek. They're on their way. Jaina, of course, is Jason's twin sister. Don't you know? And that's another pretty uh, epic literary trope is the, the magic twins. Yeah. It's... I don't know. I always think that's really cool. I always have been fascinated with twins ever since I was a kid. <laughs> Obviously, like it's strange, right? It's just bizarre. How do you get two of the same person? They're not. Obviously, 
Yeah. Same. They're not the same person, but... You get my point. What? As a kid, it's bizarre. It's, it's so crazy. Ridiculous. So, we have the powerful magic twins. And then we have some cute family moments where Han and Leia and Luke are sitting around like... Like your aunts and uncles would be when you were a kid at, yeah. at, at Thanksgiving or, or whatever, right? Yeah, just a family dinner. They're just hanging out, talking, acting like grown-ups who have been a family forever. Because they have now for all this time. They've been together since Luke and Leia were 18 and 17 years old. Now this is yeah. 30, 40, 40 years, years ago. 40 years Luke's, later. According to, I think Luke's about 59 years old in this. <laughs> Stay tuned for that because it's not going to make a damn difference how old he no. is. Anyhow, then we get Han Solo griping about how his daughter has a boyfriend. Now, let's remind ourselves that Jason and Jaina are not the teenagers. They are 27 years old. I think they're closer to 30, aren't they? Yeah. Uh, just 27 right. We'll just close. call it. No, but we'll call it closer. To th- they are almost 30 years old. And he is complaining about his grown ass Jedi Knight space pilot daughter has a boyfriend. So it's again a a juxtaposition between we've been fighting these major fights all our lives and had so many major problems and events happen, but still the little things are what are going to bother you in the background. Oh yeah. As a, he's acting, he's acting a like a dad. Yeah, It's pretty funny to see him <clears throat> solo the dad. It's, it's a really good that to see that they're not just, they're not just, like fighters and warriors and all that they all have a family dynamic yeah and and this is the they say this is the first place we've really called home since coruscant fell which is another callback to the vong war and this is where they reveal the death of anakin solo who would be the younger brother of jason and jaina years ago during the worst days of the war with the yuzhan vong Han and Leia's youngest son, Anakin Solo, named for his grandfather, had led a unit of fellow Jedi on a mission to a Yuzhan Vong world. There, they'd exterminated the Queen Voxen, preventing the creation of any more of the Force-sensing, Jedi-killing beasts. There, Anakin had died. They don't go too much into detail of his death, but I will tell you guys when we get to that book, as the three of us at the table might know, that death is spectacular spectacular and heartbreaking yeah all these books are well written they are good here jane and zek arrive we get a description of jane and zek as well right uh, uh, a little bit zek. more of zek Jaina than was standing in standard jedi robes hers made of hard wearing cloth suited to travel and styled to be less conspicuously those of a jedi knight she was about the same height as her mother and more slender of build with dark eyes and delicate features. So she's not particularly tall if she's the same height as Princess Leia. Again, yeah. not not something I had pictured her as. I always thought she was a little taller. I thought her and Jason were kind of tall. But yeah. that's just my own brain just making things up however it wants. Zach, her partner, was in his late 20s. Slightly younger than Jaina. Okay, so they are about 30 and he's late 20s. But was otherwise her opposite in almost every way. Tall enough for his scalp to scrape the top of the doorway as he entered. That sounds like it would hurt. His long black hair pulled back in a ponytail. He would stand out in any crowd. 
Long black hair in a ponytail. I've read all these books before. I've read about 25 books with Zach in them and always thought he had short, spiky, blonde hair. Yeah. Why? Because my brain doesn't care what the author tells me. No. It does whatever it wants to do. We know I, the names. I, I, That's about it. And probably just because of his name being Zek, but I always just pictured him like Zell from Final Fantasy VIII. Which, yeah. It, God, he would be so annoying if it's, that's how he talked. Especially, yeah, especially because um, both in in Final Fantasy VIII and Zack here, they're kind of cocky, kind of full of themselves, kind of upbeat and up tempo, which would draw the relation. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty funny. Right? <clears throat> so at this point, now that Jane and Zack have arrived, we've got almost every character of the main cast in one room having family dinner. So these books, if you look if you look at that, this this scene setting up at the end of the third chapter is this whole book series is is going to be about these characters, these nine or so characters that we have here in the room, and this is for the first or, and this is going to be probably the last time they're all going to be together for a long time, as is the way Star Wars movies are written, you get the characters together. Then you split them up and send them on their separate missions and they intertwine and overlap in various ways until they all come together at the end again. Yeah, and impact each other's missions and it gives you different ways to tell a variety of stories. Yeah. You, you have different backdrops. The end of chapter three is kind of really a good spot. Uh it's actually the spot where the split really starts to happen mm-hmm. because they're having dinner and they're basically having spice loaf, which is space meatloaf. And it says, um, the argument began over Spice Loaf, and then a little bit later, it was merely the course that was on everyone's plate at the point Han decided to become argumentative. Now, I love that it's, Han basically, it it tells you that Han made the decision to start a fight. Yeah. And then they get into this huge political argument, which you should never mix politics and family, but Han does it. Well... Because Han is always wise, <laughs> wise beyond his he years. He is always the one who is going to to join the fight. He's yep. ready for the fight. We also get conversation at the dinner table where Zach is asking if the Vong forming has been beaten back from this area of Coruscant. The Vong forming being an an amorphous blob of living sentient thing that was taking over the entire surface of the planet. From after the Yuzhan Vong War. It was essentially terraforming the planet to be habitable for these aliens that came in from outside the galaxy. So... Custom-made planets. Well, again, you get a little bit of light in the darkness or a little bit of dark in the light. And it's the always the two of them are, are, are shown against each other. Where you can compare a little bit of light to a little bit of dark or vice versa. Or both are a lot... There's, it, there's no gray area it's well star wars has always been you're good or you're bad yeah. there but now the this book series is really showing there even if you are bad there's there's that little bit that maybe not yeah it's just kind of like back and forth so it's which is but even the movies were like that really that's the whole arc of anakin skywalker is as bad as he got there was always a bit of light in him, but, ready yeah. to be redeemed. But he was the really right the only one. Because That's true. That's true. None of the other like, Sith get redeemed. Luke Skywalker, only light. 
Not um, really, though, because he has that. He has those moments where he's like drawing on his anger, and he is mm-hmm. using darkness to a small degree. But that's the thing; it's like a, a drop of darkness yeah. inside a pool of light, right? Yeah, and with the people that are dark, they don't start dark. It's it's they're doing the wrong things, but for the right reasons. Yeah, it's a quest for power or control or yeah, is what gets us. I like, want everybody to be happy, but in order to do that, this has to happen. Right. And when they're talking about the Vong forming, I forgot they they reveal that Jason Solo saved Coruscant. I don't know if you know this. He's a hero and a badass. He uh, made best friends with a giant alien brain and convinced it to stop taking over the planet. As you're saying about that argument, the argument starts blowing up and it becomes more. Mm, that argument starts blowing up and Han puts everything out on the table, where. He starts talking talking about how he doesn't think the Galactic Alliance should be dictating what individual planets are are doing with their weapons. And he thinks the government has got too many fingers in everybody's pie, pretty much. And he's mad about it. And it comes out of him at his daughter, I think, because she is a Jedi. And the Jedi are being used as tools as the government to enforce the government's edicts. And he doesn't like that, and he doesn't like that his kids are being used. And so he blows up into this big argument. Well, and a big part of it is because while he does feel kind of a strong connection to the Jedi Order because his whole family, other than him, are members of the Jedi Order, Mm -hmm. but they're kind of being used to put put pressure on the planet of... and the system of Corellia. His home planet. Which is his home planet, and they're very independent-minded people. Which is being run by his cousin yes also so yeah so he's really stuck right in the middle ties and that's an interesting thought too how he's the only person without magic powers yeah basically pretty much and he's always hanging out with wizards all the time yeah how weird must that be if he ever has a moment where he sits back and reflects on obi-wan and luke in the in the back of the falcon where he's like that's all just hokey religions and ancient bullshit he must just be so embarrassed. Yeah. <laughs> 40 just, years just, later, yeah. I got magic kids. Uh, everybody around me's got magic powers. Oh, they saved my ass countless times with their magic. And and not and must like he must also get upset about the Jedi and all that too because being the only one without the powers, that's got to be a little segregating, that's tough. right? And like we said, it's his kids. His it's his kids who are being used as soldiers yeah. in a war that he doesn't think is right. Well, it's not a war yet, but tensions they're being, are rising. They're being used in a conflict to to dissolve a conflict, and when you think about the fact that a handful of years ago, his youngest son got killed in exactly one of these situations on a mission that Luke Skywalker signed off on. That's right. Let's so, put that heavy hand on top of yeah. that because yeah, it's Luke takes responsibility for the fact that he got his own nephew killed his sister's child han Solo, his best friend's child killed in war yeah looks like we got a civil war brewing up between Corellia and the ga over the control of weapons and resources like we talked about before the government's trying to tell everybody what to do and some people don't want to be told what to do even though Let's think about the galaxy as a whole for the history of all these people's lives. All the people that have been alive up to this point in this book who are still alive. Their entire life has been a galactic war. Not just problems between planets. 
galactic war. Your entire life has been everything is at, at risk of being lost at all times to the Empire or to the Rebels or to the uh, the, the, Imperial the, Imperial Vong, Vong, the Imperial Remnant, the, the New Vong, Republic, the exactly. Yuuzhan Vong. Just as soon as the galaxy kind of found a, some semblance of peace Finally. and unity, the Yuuzhan Vong show up. And, and then just, now yeah. we're at a rebuilding stage again where the government is being heavy-handed and over-controlling because it's a time of peace and it's time to get things built back together. And so if you're Corellia, you're kind of being a dick. Well, because yeah. Corellia had sent out a bunch of like loans and equipment all over the galaxy to help mm-hmm. fight the Yuuzhan Vong. Yes. But because everything was destroyed for a lot of... Nobody got paid back for what they exactly. contributed. Exactly. So Corellia is kind of feeling like they're left out and they're not getting their, their due. Yeah, so they're, they're not kinda, getting what they're owed. Yeah, they're they're a little sore about that and that's so understandable. We, so we sit on the precipice of a civil war. Chapter 4. Mara and Jason are talking about Ben's distrust of the Force. Back when he was a kid... During the Yuuzhan Vong War. You're going to hear that phrase a lot. <laughs> Back yeah. during the Yuuzhan Vong War, when Ben was a kid, the Force seemed like a bad thing to him because it was all wrapped up in, in death and problems and violence and, and bad feelings. Well, not even that. Like, Think about like if there's a war going on in your, your country or your neighborhood, a child is going to pick up on that, on yeah. that energy and that, and that stuff. Now imagine that child is Force-sensitive and... Like yeah. consent. He's not just looking at the dying. tears in your eyes. He's feeling the sorrow in your heart. Not just like, your the parents, but you know, if yeah. someone and, dies like a mile away, right. he might be able to sense that. Yeah, and like that's gonna that would scare probably and a so, lot of adults. And so for most of his life, he's kind of been shied away from the force, turned off to the idea of the force. But now, under Jason's tutelage, he is opening up like a beautiful little orchid, and he's showing his mom all his special powers. You like that one too? I do. That was that was nice imagery. Uh, I'm a poet. Don't yeah. you know it? Okay. Apparently, everyone in this family has a smart mouth and unhelpful attitude because they just <laughs> they just go back and forth at each other with barbs and nonsense. Um, it, uh, another a good example of that is um, Leia or Mara says something about. Um, don't bring up the specter of teenage hormone rushes. And then Leia snorts and says, not ready to become a grandmother yet. <laughs> and then uh, Leia says she thinks she's ready to be a grandmother. Uh, and then she looks at uh, Jason and says, how long should I expect to wait? And he immediately t- flips it back. Says, if you're going to embarrass me, you're talking to a dead comm link. And then he goes, how about you just ask Jaina? And just like immediately she's sitting there it. with her boyfriend at the dinner yeah. table. Like that is her boyfriend, but not boyfriend. Yeah, exactly. Because Zach, her, Zach is her. definitely in the friend zone. So, Marth thanks Jason. She she kind of opens up to him about how happy she is that he's embracing or that Ben's embracing the Force and that the two of them are becoming closer. And she's just really happy that it's Jason is the one who's helping him. And then it's time for boss talk. Luke takes Jason aside. And they start talking about Jedi business. Uh, just in case you don't know, Jason's kind of a big deal. Jedi business. Go back to your so, <laughs> Right. So they step out onto like the promenade, like the, the walkway outside the outside the apartment building. And, and we get a, an interesting description of Coruscant. It's described as swirling streams of light 
from air traffic mixed with patches of darkness from the destruction of the Vong War. So again, classic Star Wars, light inside the dark, darks mixed with the light. They don't combine into gray often. There are gray characters in the Star Wars mythos, but not they're more often than not light with a little dark or dark with a little light. And those are the most interesting characters. Take, for example, Batman compared to Superman. I almost said versus. That's a whole different conversation. Yeah. But Batman compared to Superman, Superman is just Dudley Do-Right. I'm, I'm, the, I'm the strongest, unstoppable man, pretty much, and I always do the right thing for the right reasons. And I'm boring. Batman well, is like, I'm going to do the right thing for the wrong reasons. I'm going to do the right thing because... Well, he's going to do... Uh, is he doing the right thing for the wrong reasons, or is he doing the wrong thing for the right reasons? You're right. Yeah, sorry. Batman's like, I'm going to do the wrong thing for the right reasons, which is I'm going to clean up the streets even though I'm not allowed because nobody else is. Well, not even that he's not allowed because even Superman's not legally allowed. That's true. But, but how are you going to stop an alien? He's, he's going to break the law and bones and yeah. anything he needs to do to put a criminal away. Just a little... A little bit of darkness mixed in with the light makes you more complex as a character and it makes you more interesting. Yeah. It gives you different motivations outside of just one narrow hallway that you're always walking down. And, and with characters like that, you can be surprised by them. Yeah. It's not just, okay, this person's going to do bad, this person's going to do good. Yeah. It's They become more what unpredictable. Happened? They become more unpredictable. Yeah. And that's what we have with every character in this book, really. Um, so we get the description of Coruscant, and then, and then Luke tells Jason that Corellia is actually building a secret fleet. And How does he almost, know that? Accountants. What? Ran the numbers. Ran the numbers, yeah. and we know they're building a secret fleet. And they almost have Centerpoint Station operational. And we get a little description of Centerpoint. Centerpoint Station was a relic, an artifact of an ancient civilization that had, in a sense, constructed the Corellian star system by dragging several inhabitable planets to the system and sending them into beneficial orbits. Several hundred kilometers in diameter, bigger even than the Death Star, of course, because why would it be Bigger smaller? than the Death Stars. Sorry, both of them. Because <laughs> the second one is even bigger than the first one. Yeah. So, Centerpoint Station revealed to be a dangerous and deadly super weapon. Potentially a dangerous super Almost. weapon. It's Almost. It's not functional. technically a super weapon, but yeah. it has the potential to be used as a It weapon. can drag planets. Yeah, and destroy... I think it says uh, can... Cre um do mess with the gravity of a star to make it like go probably go super on itself. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's it's a gravity weapon, essentially, yeah. is what Center Point Station is. And Jason talks about how he wouldn't use it during the Vong War. He had a chance to use it. Um, what what they ended up doing was locking the station out completely and shutting it down using Anakin Solo's DNA biometric data so the only person who would ever be able to turn it on again supposedly was supposed to be anakin solo I, that was redundant saying supposedly supposed to be but i like it so jason gets mad yeah because this is like you're talking about like a desecration of a dead body type of thing yeah. where where uh, you're, yeah, you're messing not, with a dead kid's biometrics they're not DNA. sure how they've yeah they've how bypassed they've, this biomark sure lockout but that's right it's kind of but your first guess would be dark a dark, 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 dark way. 
Like, not, they didn't do it a nice way. Yeah, they didn't just call someone from IT and just bypass it. He gets mad, but then he immediately shuts his anger down as illogical and irrelevant. Hello, Mr. Spock. Yeah. Luke tells Jason his next mission is disabling Centerpoint Station. Not going to be easy. He tells Jason. He literally, this is where Luke literally lays it out for the reader. Jason is special. He tells him he's special because he has alternative philosophies in the Force. So fucking special. Yeah. So special. <laughs> so they talk about the mission to center point, and then we get one more reveal at the end of this chapter. Chewbacca, Han's Wookiee co-pilot and best oh, friend. So I have goosebumps reading this. Yeah. I'm going to start over. Oh, goosebumps. Goosebumps. Dun, 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 dun. Chewbacca. Han's Wookiee co-pilot and best friend had died more than a decade ago at the onset of the Yuzhan Vong War. So right, right there, Tears. we get a timeline. Yeah, definitely. We get a timeline of the Vong War started like 10 years ago when Jason and Jaina were like 1920. Yeah. Impressionable. Yeah, because Ben was still adults. a really little kid too. He was like three. three. Two, one. He was born at the beginning of the war. Yeah. If I remember the first book correctly, Mara's pregnant and gets really sick. Anyhow, that's not this book. No. Nope. We'll get there someday. I forgot where I was. Oh. After that, it had been years before Han could hear or speak his name without feeling a stab of pain in his heart. I agree. Because uh, after all these years, that still hurts my feelings. If you haven't read the scene or the book where Han, where Han has to leave Chewbacca to die, it is terrible. It's hard wrenching. It, it it breaks the relationship between Han and Anakin Solo, his youngest son, and it pretty much breaks Han Solo for like the next like eight years of the books. Yeah, <laughs> this was really hard for me. This part of the book because surprising, I never actually read any of the Yuuzhan Vong War books. I hadn't read so them until after I read I didn't I read know these. Chewie died right. until all of a sudden it's like, yeah, he died 10 years ago. I remember having that same feeling when I read this the first time it because just, like a, I hadn't yeah. read the uh, the new Jedi Order series, which is the Yuuzhan Vong War, and Chewbacca dies somewhere near the beginning of that. Yeah, then um, in the first six. We won't get into books. details because we'll probably get around to reading it someday. But that is chapter four. Sit with that. Chewbacca is dead. Sit with that for a whole week until we get back at it next week with chapters 5, 6, 7, and 8. This will be good times. The books only get better from here. And it's already been great. We'll catch you guys next week. I'm Justin. Tim. Kevin. See ya. Bye. For any comments and questions, you can hit us up at forevercanonpodcast at gmail.com. Forever Canon Podcast is a Jay Plazer production. Catch us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitch, Twitter, and YouTube at Jay Plazer. Check us out.